0: What's up, guys? I'm Jack Now, and this is the Coding Athletes with myself and Nick Bright.
1: Yeah, that is right. Jack is down in his gym in the southwest of the UK. Uh, I'm here in London. How's it going, mate? Are you, you well today?
0: I'm well, mate. I've I feel like I've been in this gym all day today, mate. It's been a bit of a long one, but uh, you know, I'm really, really good. Really good. Excited for today.
1: Was there was there training today? What, what, what was the situation?
0: I, I had the lot today, mate. Fitness, uh, CV stuff. I had rehab. I had upper weights, lower weights. It's amazing what you can get up to in such a small space. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So, same here. Same here. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, what yeah, i can Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> today, though, we're, uh, we're decoding your lessons. So it's all about uh, learning and improving as an athlete and as a person. So my first question to you, how important is it to keep learning as an athlete?
0: Obviously, if you're not learning, you're not becoming better. You're not helping yourself achieve the goals you want to achieve. Do you know what I mean? I didn't come into rugby at top level. Uh, there was so much stuff I had to learn along the way. So I think, you know, being able to adapt to stuff like that. Um, and a big part of it is obviously making mistakes, which is, you know, I've made a fair few in my in my life as well. But, you know, that's all about the learning, like we said.
1: So even though you've been playing rugby, you know, for a long time, do you still feel like you're learning stuff now? Do you still feel like you're picking new stuff up
0: all the time? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot other lessons as well. Um, you know, obviously with me being in a, in a, you know, a team sport, you're always learning about your players. You're learning about your coaches. You know, the, the beauty of rugby is you could have a team one year, but then the next year you have a completely different team. So, you know, it's about getting to to know each other, learning what they like, what makes them tick, how we can get the best out of them on the field, which again is, you know, why it's been so good to play with some of my best mates that I've played with for years, because I've got that very quickly. They know me very well. I know them very well. But I suppose that's one side of it. And then it's obviously learning about my body as well. What can get me in the best Best position, the best shape to to be playing my best rugby, um, and then also a lot life lessons as well. You know, it's all part of it.
1: Who are your kind of inspirations, both within rugby, I guess, and 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 outside of it? Who did you look up to when you were growing up?
0: I didn't, I didn't. If I'm perfectly honest, I didn't watch a lot of rugby when I was. I watched hardly any rugby, to be honest. Um, I didn't play it to become a professional rugby player uh, or to do it for a job. I played it just because I love playing it with my mates. You know, it took me a while to start enjoying it, but I did in the end. And I enjoyed playing with my team. I enjoyed winning. And that's the reason why I started rugby. So in terms of people I look back at and I thank is obviously my first ever coach, Nicky Brooks. Um, You know, his son, Ben Brooks, my best mate still now. Um, So he was a guy that really introduced it to me and, you know, made me fall in love with it, made me enjoy it. I didn't take it too seriously, um, which which is what he did for all of our team. Um, But then obviously, as I go on further down my career, you know, obviously I got my academy coaches, Robin Carroll and Ricky Pella at the time. Uh, my true college coaches, but then uh a guy called John Fletcher, who was actually my England under eighteens coach um he picked me you know out of, out of nowhere really I didn't have any you know county stuff I didn't get any under sixteens England stuff um he just kind of took a bit of a punt on me and picked me for uh, England under eighteens and you know from then I kind of then got a contract to Exeter. Uh, and then it kind of you know kicked off from there, and obviously you got coaches like Stuart Lancaster, who gave my first cap rob Baxter ali Heath for Exeter. And obviously now Eddie Jones, but, you know, there's been so many players like that, people like that and coaches like that. Um, but in terms of me looking up to anyone, I didn't really watch a lot of rugby, like I said. So it's kind of hard to, to try and base myself on someone
1: sprinkled some names in there though didn't you Lancaster Baxter <laughs> Jones you know wow um, what, what about the kind of injury side of things though because I, I'm guessing I, I don't know at all because you know I'm I've never played sport at the top top level but I'm guessing when you get injured as a young player it can be super frustrating and, I'm, and that's not to say that it's not frustrating for you now when you get injured but do you deal with it better now than back then
0: no I, I think I deal with it worse now Cause it's weird. Cause when I was younger, I can't really say much about it. Cause I I was quite lucky with injuries. You know, I I had a fair few of my knee, um, and things like that. But I I, I seem to play quite a bit of rugby when I was younger growing up. But I don't know if it's maybe just the situation I'm in at the moment. Whereas I do feel like I'm playing like you know five or six games, and then I'm getting a, bit, a pretty serious injury again, and then I'm almost having an operation. I'm rehabbing getting back, match fit, finally match fit. Then I play another five, or six games and then something else happens. So that's kind of where I felt I'm at in the last couple of years. So, you know, that's frustrating. But in terms of dealing with it, you know, obviously it is very frustrating when you're younger because you want to play every single game and play every single minute. You've got so much to, to prove. Whereas now dealing with it, I've, I've obviously dealt with it a lot different. Obviously, like I have mentioned before, having a family and obviously having games before where I have played, I have represented England, I have gone on Lions tours and stuff like that. But it's just, I want that little bit more. So... You know, I'm dealing with it a lot better, but at the same time, I can't help what happens. So it's kind of just dealing with that fact as well.
1: Right, next up is someone who has had to deal with their fair share of setbacks. Uh, and I'm sure learned plenty along the way as well. We're going to be speaking to snowboarder Katie Ormerod. Uh, She's one of the brightest talents in the world of snowboarding and is fresh off the back of her best ever season in 2020, winning gold in the snowboard slope style at the FIS Snowboard World Cup, becoming the first British snowboarder to ever win the title. Katie missed the 2018 Winter Olympics through injury, but now has her sights firmly set on Beijing 2022 welcome thank you for coming on what's up Katie? you all
0: right
2: yeah really good thanks you
0: i'm not too bad not too bad
1: oh look at that oh
0: you
1: guys, <laughs> you guys. uh right katie um I-, I wanted to talk to you first about about your sport snowboarding because i i've tried it a few times right but only the kind of indoor snow slopes and snow domes that you've got in the uk it is so infectious so quickly how did you fall in love with snowboarding
2: So I got into it through my mum and dad. Like they were both keen snowboarders at my local dry slope. And I really wanted to just like follow in their footsteps and get into it as well. So I actually like started skiing first when I was three. And then when I was five, um, I got my first snowboard and just never looked back.
1: Uh, Have you ever tried it, Jack?
0: Mental? Uh, No, I haven't. Do you know what? It's actually a funny story about that. My family started going skiing and snowboarding and stuff. Um, So my brother, one of my brothers and sisters, uh, both of them sorry, live in France, so that's what they do. They snowboard and ski. But my family started going the year I started playing rugby. Um, and it's actually when you sign your contracts, it's actually in your contract that you're not allowed to go skiing or snowboarding because of injuries. So I've never had a chance to do anything like that.
1: Is it is it high on the list for when you retire then?
0: if my body lets me do it mate to be honest <laughs> <laughs>
1: well listen you, you you should tap up katie for some lessons or something you know um use, use your network and your connects Well, just on that though katie it is a it is a sport where serious injury happens and you suffered one of those yourself so just just tell us about the well, i'm sure you suffered more than one but tell us about the, the most recent serious one
2: yeah, so snowboarding is an extreme sport, and although like I do everything possible to try and prevent injuries, like sometimes it, you know you just get unlucky and things happen. And yeah, the Olympics in twenty eighteen, unfortunately, um, fell off a rail just slightly bit early, and just the way I landed um, made me break my heel into two pieces, and it was like by far the worst injury I've ever had. And you know, to have like seven operations and I think eighteen months worth of rehab before competing again so it was a really long one and not really the best timing either.
0: Is, this, is it still sore now?
2: It's completely fine now like I, I put in all the um, effort into the rehab and stuff and made sure that I came back stronger than I was before so I don't feel like anything anymore which is really good. Oh, fair play.
1: That, that's, that, that's what I wanted to ask you about because me and Jack uh, um, you know we, we've discussed injuries that he's had uh, as a rugby player and how he copes with the rehab and and stuff like that how did you cope with it did, did did you did you struggle or especially for such a long period of time did you say 18 months
2: yeah like I did a full it was more like a full year of like intense rehab and then slowly starting to build back up to like competition level riding but um yeah it was it was quite tough um I thought the physical side I was quite good at because mentally like I was quite strong in terms of like I knew that every day was a day closer to getting back on my snowboard so I really looked at it like that and tried to be as positive as possible and um, so I worked super super hard in the rehab and was really determined with that but it was more like the mental side which was like it started to get quite hard around like nine months into the rehab because I was physically in the best shape I've ever been in. But um, I was still in a lot of pain and that's when I started to like think maybe it could be career ending because like with the amount of pain I was in, I couldn't imagine myself snowboarding again. So that was when it started to get quite tough. But I just had to really try and remain positive throughout and believe that no matter what, like I would get through it. And I did.
1: Mm, Well, thankfully. Um, But my next question, I don't don't want to bring back the pain, but obviously missing an Olympics must be a huge deal 2018 you missed the Olympics. so talk us through kind of how you dealt with that because i can imagine as somebody who trains so hard for you know the olympics is the pinnacle at the end of the day isn't it that's what you're you're building up towards and then you've missed it did did uh that affect you mentally
2: yeah it did like i think is. It's always been a dream of mine to compete at the Olympics and I worked so, so hard and I was in like the best shape possible and my riding was at its best right then. And I just felt like everything was falling into place and I was super excited to, you know, go to my first Olympic Games that I've always dreamed of going to. And then, yeah, like I got injured within like the first two days of training. Um, so it wasn't ideal. And straight away, as soon as I, like I knew I was hurt, I was like, there's no way I can compete with this. Um, and it was before like even the opening ceremony, like the opening ceremony was meant to happen the next day. So I kind of missed out on like everything. I was only there a few days. So, yeah, I was super, super gutted. but. I'm now like just about to start the qualifications for Beijing 2022. So I'm looking forward to that and hopefully it'll go a lot better.
1: <laughs> mm. And and Jack, you can actually relate to that because you missed the World Cup in 2019, didn't you?
0: I did. Well, I was there. So it's, it's weird because obviously we were in Japan um, just to support the boys a little bit as well.
1: Well, Katie, you mentioned the Winter Olympics 2022. Um, feeling good for Beijing? Gold on the on the horizon, is it?
2: Yeah, I'm feeling super excited. Yeah. And like, especially having like the best season of my career so far, like this last season, I'm feeling like super confident. And I'm just hoping that, you know, it'll go my way this time and I can land the best run that I can do. And yeah, I'm just really looking forward to having that opportunity to actually like compete.
1: Well, that most recent season you're talking about, um, t- t- tell us about it. What's changed and why has it been the best season yet for you?
2: Well, this was like my comeback season from breaking my heel and um, I just went into it with like no pressure no expectations just like super excited to be back on my board back competing again because I really love competing and I just had a really good mindset and I was just like loving life loving snowboarding and it all just came together really well and I, I ended up learning new tricks like during the season which wasn't like my plan at the start of the season and it just I was just really feeling it and yeah it all came together and I think my mindset really helped me do that as well with not having any pressure and yeah it came together with yeah having I think five World Cup podiums and my first ever Crystal Globe so it was I was super excited to like come back and do that.
1: Yeah, to do that in a comeback season as well—absolutely smashing it—and and Jack, you're smashing it as well. I mean, best season—the one just gone for, for, for you—best season so far, would you say? I mean, doing the doing the double, not too bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so, mate. You know, you know, you have so many things in your rugby career that p- players want to achieve. You know, you want to represent your country. Um, then, obviously, in rugby, you get to go on and represent the British and Irish Lions as well. To be able to do both of those things has been, you know, phenomenal. But I do I I I still say it the first time that we won the premiership a few years ago, four years ago now, is still the highlight of my career so far because I know the fact that if it wasn't for those boys that I play with every single week, I wouldn't have gone on to play for England and, and other and other stuff. But, you know, to win such a big trophy with my teammates, it was was class. And then, you know, like you said then, this year again is another step up. You know, there's some players that don't even make it to a semi-final or final of a Heineken Cup. But for us boys to to win it and to have done it in a year where there's been no fans. Um, there's a lot of excuses we could have made not to have done it, but, you know, we kind of did it as a team. And to think 10 years ago, we weren't even in this competition. So, you know, it has been a, a pretty surreal a surreal year, to be, to be honest.
1: Mm, well, Jack, Jack just mentioned there, obviously, the lack of fans that we've been having in the UK uh, events and stuff like that. But Katie, I mean, snowboarding, kind of, to me, it feels like to train, you kind of need to be doing it. So how have you coped with you know, what's been going on in the world and and, and how have you maintained that training?
2: Yeah, so training was quite tricky, obviously, during, like, March onwards um, for us. And that would be... So we managed to get through all the competitions just about, but then March onwards is, like, a big chunk of our training time. We'd usually go to the Southern Hemisphere, um, which, obviously, we couldn't do that this year, unfortunately. But most of that, I just had to do a lot of dryland training, so training at home, um, like... Red Bull sent over some gym equipment so I could keep up with my strength training um, doing like gymnastics in the garden and as things started to get better I could start going to like um, facilities where I could actually do more like gymnastics work to get the spatial awareness for when I could go snowboarding and then just recently in the last couple of months with being able to travel again and go abroad snowboarding which has been super super good like really good end to the year to finally be back on the snow.
1: I noted Katie that um you used gymnastics to help you recover. So, you know, maybe have you got any advice for Jack? Maybe, gymnastics for you, Twinkle Toes, maybe?
0: <laughs> maybe i do some stretching more like.
1: <laughs> so just tell us about that though, Katie, using gymnastics and how it helped you.
0: Yeah, well,
2: I've been doing gymnastics since I was four. So I've been doing it like most of my life and I actually competed in that as well and both snowboarding and gymnastics went like hand in hand really well um, with like the spatial awareness that both sports need and the muscular strength and I found that doing gymnastics was really helping my snowboarding so even when like I stopped competing in that I still do gymnastics as part of my snowboard training now and the British team have even hired like a gymnastics coach for that because we re- we're starting to realise it is super important to have those acro skills as well and knowing where you are in the air because with the way that snowboarding is progressing, it's progressing at such a fast rate with doubles, triples, some guys doing quadruples. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy with the rate that it's progressing. So it's super important to have gymnastics as part of the training
0: now. Mate, I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to go in one of those – I've seen you in one, Katie – in one of those uh, foam pits. With the with the track, like I'm desperate to find somewhere I can just throw myself off something like that and just land in it and not worry about hurting myself. Would be brilliant.
2: Yeah, it is so much fun. Like it's it's the best fun because you can just go for it and you know just throw yourself into the pit and know that you'll be fine. So it's yeah, it's such fun.
1: Does that constitute as breach of contract or not for for what you said earlier? You know, you're not allowed to go skiing or snowboarding, but does that count?
0: Well, mate, what what doesn't what what they don't know won't hurt them, will it? So uh, <laughs> if I if I can keep that a secret. <laughs>
1: Apart apart from we're just talking about it on a (laughs) a podcast that's going to go out far and wide, um, Katie, you you, this gymnastics snowboarding thing, I'm quite fascinated about it because you know you've obviously picked snowboarding over gymnastics, but could we have been seeing you competing at Tokyo 2021? Were you, were you, how good were you at gymnastics?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was all right, like when I was younger, like I won, like I was was Yorkshire champion like a few times, yeah, I don't know, like I always kind of knew that snowboarding was the one I really wanted to go for, but I still really love gymnastics as well.
1: Mm. And, and it, what you're saying makes total sense, actually. The crossover is so there. You've know, when you you've only got to watch a, a snowboarding event now to see kind of what you guys are doing and the flips and the, and the mad tricks and how they're only getting more complicated. So I can totally see why that would definitely help you and aid you in, in snowboarding, that's for sure. Um, Jack, I, I wanted to ask you about recovery methods are they getting more extreme because ice baths are are a thing are you a fan of the old ice bath
0: definitely not mate 100 percent. the ice bath for me is the worst the worst thing i could ever do i hate being cold um so i probably wouldn't last very long in the snow or anything i'm all about the heat i love saunas i love being inside my house mate stretching in the warm um but recovery is massive i think a few years ago, you know, 10, 20 years ago, recovery wasn't really a thing, but now the game's gotten so fast and uh, and players are so much bigger and stronger that you need to recover because you know, we're we're playing on a Saturday or a Sunday, we're in Monday training. You need to recover quickly, you need to be able to do weights, then train, then run, then recover and do it all again the next day. So, you know, I've gone through a few lengths to try and find what works for me. Um, but I'm pretty sure I've got a, a pretty good, pretty good idea of it now.
1: Is is it the same for you, Katie, Re- recovery? How important is that
2: in what you do? Yeah, it's really important as well. But mine's more like I do a lot of stretching, um, like I really focus on like the warm-up, the cool-down. And then where we usually go training, we usually have like – well a lot of places have like the lake um so we'll go and like stand in it and that'll be like our ice bath if we want to like ice our knees or legs or whatever um, it's usually pretty cold because we spend a lot of time in like yeah the wintry places but yes it's, it is super important I think for like yeah a lot most athletes would probably say that as well like you have to really focus on the cool down the warm-ups all that stuff
1: yeah, Jack, with your toes, mate, you'd have no chance being <laughs> a snowboarder. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> right. I want to. I want to talk diet uh, with you, Katie, because you went vegetarian, right? You decided that y- you wanted to go vegetarian. So, when was that? Um, in your in terms of your career, just just break that down for me. So, so, when you started out, I'm guessing you were a meat eater.
2: Yeah, I only just turned vegetarian like a couple of years ago. Actually, just after like the Olympics. Uh, right in 2018 and that was purely because um I actually started watching some documentaries about it and started learning more about being vegetarian so I thought right I'll I'll give it a go and I found that I actually really liked it and I thought it was super like positive for my body and everything and and the environment that was a big reason for me doing it as well.
1: Yeah and and how did it kind of impact your performance because i've seen david hay the boxer talk about stuff like this previously because he decided to go vegan uh, and he said it helped aid his recovery and muscle repair and stuff like that do you find benefits like that too
2: yeah like my body feels great for me that's why like i thought i'd give it a go and I, i really thought it was like beneficial for me and then i guess i went on to have the best season of my career as well so i don't know if that had anything to do with it but like i was just feeling all over really great in myself in my body like in terms of strength as well i thought everything was all good so yeah i i thought it was really good
1: okay uh jack tempted to go down the vegetarian <laughs> route is that something you could do
0: um mate, i would i would definitely try i would definitely try it um maybe a pescatarian i don't know about giving up fish but um <laughs> i think i think for me at the moment i struggle because obviously the first thing i think about when i'm cooking any meal is right the first thing i think of is what meat i'm gonna have and then i build my meal around that so i suppose it's kind of finding replacements and Mm. and then just getting into a habit of doing it but i I could definitely see myself doing it but i just not quite made that leap yet but um i just i would love to know and i'd love to feel the difference like if there is a massive difference in um you know the change in between it and like what you actually feel so i suppose until i actually try it then i know everyone's different but until you actually try it you'll never know
1: are there any veggies in the in the Chiefs dressing room? No. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> I, thought, I thought I'd ask. But, but maybe maybe you could be the first, and, and you've got you got Kate here to get some advice from. But listen, Kate is is lovely speaking to you, and um, I, I look forward to see you smashing it. Twenty twenty two Beijing, you'll make up for for the one that you missed, and I'm sure fingers crossed you'll have a gold medal round your neck at the end of it.
2: Woo! woo. Yes, thank you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Uh, Katie Omarad, there, um, amazing. I reckon you could do the vegetarian thing. Uh, I'm, I'm tell- maybe even the vegan thing, Jack.
0: <laughs> Mate, honestly, um, I would, I would honestly really like to give it a go. But cooking for my family as well, and I know the girls would would really like to to give it a go. But like I said, it's just breaking that habit, isn't it? It's just, mm. well, I suppose once you've done it for a week or so, you kind of you're into it. But uh, like I said, the first thing I think about is like what steak I can have, what chicken I can have. Um, and I love barbecue mate, and I don't think there's very many options for vegetarians on the barbecue, to be honest.
1: And, and also you, you said about being a pescatarian. I noticed that right away. I mean, you are from Cornwall where like, you know, seafood is massive. So you can't blame you for that, to be honest.
0: No, I, and I think, you know, eating fish is from the sea. It's not being farmed. You know, it is, it's for, obviously I'm very lucky enough to get it fresh as well. So it's not being tampered with or changed around a little bit. So, um, you know, I'll definitely have to try and stick to that one.
1: All right. Well we'll, well, we'll keep tabs on that and see what happens maybe for the next series. when when, when It's red... probably
0: not going to happen. When it's red... not going to oh, happen, mate. When...
1: <laughs> Loved chatting to to Katie there. You know, it's really interesting talking about the Winter Olympics and stuff like that. Obviously, you know, you've reached the pinnacle playing for England uh, as a, as a rugby player. But, you know, would you like to... I know Rugby Sevens was in the Olympics and stuff like that. But would you like to have that experience?
0: If I'm honest, it's something I've never really thought about. Um, I I, I love watching the Olympics. I love the athletics, the sprinting, obviously Usain Bolt and stuff like that. But I just don't know where I'd fit in, to be honest, in any sort of Olympic sport or or anything like that, really. So probably not. To be honest, I'll, I'll stick to watching it. Well, we've already tapped up
1: Katie to get you some um, some snowboard lessons when you retire, mate. You could have a you could have a second career. You keep saying no, my body can't <laughs> take it, but you never know till you try. Wait,
0: honestly, I cannot get my knee over my toes. So to strap me into a snowboard or a set of skis, I've got a better chance of becoming a pro surfer. So uh, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Pro
1: surfer? Well, that's something we could be talking about later on in the series who knows Mm. you'll have to you'll have to stay tuned to, to, to find out if we do hope you've enjoyed this episode of Decoding Athletes as Jack gave you a little insight into what it's like to be an elite rugby player Remember, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe for free at Spotify, Apple, Amazon and all major podcast platforms so you don't miss any of the new episodes as they're released. And while you're there, give the podcast a rating and let us know what you think of it or who you'd like to hear next in the reviews. There are video versions of all the episodes and loads more, including Series 1 of Decoding Athletes with eight-time BMX Flatland World Champion Matthias Dandois, plus a whole host of incredible sports people for you to enjoy at redball.com forward slash decoding. Until next time, bye-bye.